Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Birdman, directed by Alejandro González Iñárritu and released in 2014. The plot of Birdman goes something like this. A washed-up actor who once played an iconic superhero battles his ego and attempts to recover his family, his career, and himself in the days leading up to the opening of a Broadway play. Um, oh, speaking of Broadway plays, Susan Blackwell was in this movie. Who was she? Um, the, the, the intermission lady. Um, in the intermission, when they all come outside oh, of the right. play and confused me because I was like, why are they all leaving them when the last scene hasn't happened yet? Right. So she, she's the, yeah. She's, she's the, the one who talks. Yeah. The, 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 the ticket counter. She's like, excuse me, sir, you can't go in there. That no, one? no, 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 no. So when they do the last preview of the play, mm. The um, spoilers, guys. The shoots his nerves off preview. Mm. Um, she comes out at the intermission. Um, they cu- they have a shot of the front of the building at the intermission, and she's like, "The first act was good, wasn't it?" Oh, okay. that's her whole role. Um, but right. Susan Blackwell is a, a like Broadway personality. She interviews Broadway people, and she licks their faces, and she's great. I like her a lot. Right, cool. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. it's Susan Blackwell." It was one of the only moments that I was like, "Ooh," in the whole movie. Yeah. So, so this movie is like totally hipster, pretentious Oscar movie. But I actually, because I'm like a bit of a theater geek. I kind of have a soft spot for it because I love being backstage. So, and this whole movie, like, almost is never anywhere else other than this theatre. Which is interesting because I actually had no idea before watching it that it had anything to do with a play whatsoever. Me neither. I had absolutely no idea what it was going to be about. I knew, I, I, I just didn't know. I knew there was a little element about superheroes. So, you know, the... I didn't quite exactly know what, though. Okay, what I did know was that he was playing um, – uh, Michael Keaton was playing somebody who used to play a superhero and now is kind of washed up. Mm. That's what I knew because I'd seen that scene where he walks down the street a bunch of times, you know, when he explodes the car. Mm, yeah. I'd seen that like 20 times, but Which nothing is funny. Else. It's funny that that's what they've used to market the movie when that's like – in, in the context of the movie, that's all about making fun of movies that are all about explosions and what's wrong with superhero movies. Well, it's the Bridge to Terabithia thing. In Bridge to Terabithia, there's 30 seconds at the end of the movie of them actually doing the Fantasyland thing, and yet that was all over the marketing because that's how they got people into it. But the whole of Bridge to Terabithia is about a sad little boy who makes a friend and then she dies. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Bridge to Terabithia is a really sad movie, but you should watch it because Josh Hutchison is like 12 in this movie and he is astonishing. He is so good. This is why I told you that Josh Hutchison yeah, was I, great. I just never watched it because I'd never heard of it. I wasn't. It never read the books or anything. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very upsetting. Um, yeah. Now, it sounds, but, yeah, it sounds like my girl for the um, younger generation. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and it was a book before. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, just not one I'd heard of. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the point of Birdman. A friend of ours, Jamie, um, said that he thought this movie was pretentious. I watched the opening credits and I leant over and I was like, yeah, I see why Jamie thought this was pretentious. Yeah, I'd seen, um, uh, I think it was Luke Buckmaster, one of the, I think the Guardian's film critic. He had written, like his headline to his review was really pretentious but kind of fun. And yes. That, drum solos. Oh my God. Yeah, Jelly was so mad at the drum the drum score, he was like, that was so annoying. It just never let up because the whole score is, is drum-based. Then there's somebody at the end who's specially credited for doing the drum score. I didn't. It didn't bother me. No, I, I wasn't was bothered at all. I actually jazzy drum thing yeah, going I on. I quite liked it, and I liked the. Um, it actually sustained me through lots yeah. of things I didn't like. Well, yeah, because it um it really uh, it, it's like a, sort of a heartbeat kind of thing. It keeps your energy levels up. It keeps you 
um, on edge like yes, the character yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect because, yeah, I, I actually really liked it. I don't have any complaints about it. I just thought it was – It's ve- it is very over the top if you're um, – Here's you don't know the, what to expect. Here's where the movie lost me. I was okay with it all the way through the beginning. Then there's a moment when Edward Norton tries to rape Naomi Watts mm. on stage. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever refers to it as being an attempted, attempted rape. Her reaction to it is sort of put, painted as over the top and ridiculous. And then she's making out with a girl five minutes later. Oh, my God. Okay, yes. That was really – because, okay, her reaction to me was quite reasonable. Her co-star, her co-worker had tried to rape her in front of an audience of 800 people. I would she, – she would be well within her rights to leave, sue him for every dollar he has, and then maybe come back and shoot him. Like, I would not have objected to her doing that because that was fucking awful. And, and yeah, and then she makes out with her female co-star, which is in a kind of a weird sort of moment because the female co-star is the only person who's like, you poor thing, this is awful, I can't believe you did this to you. But – even also, then, she's really underplaying also, that. Both men behave far worse than she does for like really, really minor, stupid infractions. Like both of them have these massive temper tantrums. Particularly, Michael Keaton has this giant temper tantrum with the voices in his head in his room. And this really annoyed me because I've spent so much time in amateur theatre. But I'm like, stop breaking everything in your dressing room. You are in a really small play. They can't afford to pl- replace your hairdryer, my friend. Well, um, he's paying for it. Yeah, though, so yeah, I know. I just, I was, it made me mad as a like it, in my like stage manager brain, my my play director brain just went, oh. Don't waste all this money. But he has this massive tantrum over, like, his man pain. And Edward Norton also has various massive tantrums and is a giant dickbag the whole way through. Well, yeah, I was thinking of this as Men Are Whiny Babies, the movie, yeah. for a lot of so it. So they behave awfully and with, like, no provocation at all. And, she, and Naomi Watts with plenty of genuine serious provocation because her co-worker has just committed a serious criminal offence on stage to her. Is is treated as like oh you know she has a slightly over the she's oh you know ladies actresses yeah actresses actresses she behaves bloody brilliantly and because she's a consummate professional she actually comes back because she knows that if she walks out the play won't go on oh and but okay so then I mean already I was pissed and then the very next scene is Edward Norton making out with Emma Stone on the roof. Like, the next scene is him basically being implicitly forgiven for doing what he just did. And then a couple of minutes, like, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes later or whatever. I don't know that Emma Stone knows what's happened, though. She doesn't, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. The movie is forgiving him for mm. what he just did. It yeah. doesn't matter whether By she knows. him make out with a woman she knows 20 that he years had a younger boner. than him. He, she knows he had a boner on stage. Yeah. Um, but, like, which is what they keep referring to the incident as, <laughs> the boner on stage. So I don't think anybody else n- seems yeah. to know what happened. But anyway. Um, well, but that's, that's like classic sexual predator behavior anyway, is do it only in front of your victim so that everybody else yes, can Yes, but that's the thing ability. is that the movie implicitly forgives him for what just happened. Then he gets to have consensual sex with Emma Stone later on. Mm. And. That whole thing, I was just and, – and then he talks about how – like, later on he talks about Naomi, how Naomi Watts has moved on. And I was like, moved on? You tried to rape her. I mean, if she's moving on, that's pretty impressive. Mm. And he paints it like he's the hard-done-by victim. victim of yeah. this. And then he's like, oh, I'm so real on stage. And I was like, so you're really a rapist then. Yeah. He, that's what your it, real he personality is. is. He is. He's really a predator and a rapist and a horrible person. I know he's the antagonist and everything, but like it, the movie paints that as just like 
one of the tantrums or something. Mm. It's not like it's a particularly bad thing. And this happens a lot. The movie, the women in the movie keep coming up to people with genuine problems like one time you threw a knife at me or one time you knocked me up or things like that and the movie is like okay forget their problems this guy used to be a superhero and now he isn't like what is it doing what are they trying to say it's so from a masculine perspective Mm. uh, like it's so kind of women are mysterious and weird and their overreactions to nearly being raped and their overreactions to things like when um the brunette girl tells michael keaton that he knocked her up and he's like um um i don't know what to do and then she hits him and then she's giggling and then she's making out with him and you're like that's not what women do you really think this is what we do yeah like like if your boyfriend the crazy woman reacted like that you would it is very much a crazy woman trope and it comes Mm. out in emma stone as well Mm. um like Naomi Watts less so because I think she's perfectly justified in everything she does. But um, but Emma Stone is also that. Oh, you're crazy, but inside you're really special. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. she's. Ugh, I hated that scene. Well, yeah, yeah. She's she's like your classic manic pixie dream girl. She's kind yeah. of like oh, the and the poor little rich girl who had had this famous dad who was off playing superheroes, and so he didn't give her enough attention. And yeah, now, and then she's and did now drugs. because now you know, now she's twenty something, and because of the drugs, she all her options in life are to work for her dad. I loved her rant at him, though. She was amazing in this. Like, so we talked. Uh, we we often talk about how Oscar nominations are not deserved. She did a really good job in this movie. She did. She was really good. Um, Michael Keaton was just chewing scenery. Mm. I thought his imp- his performance was so unimpressive. <laughs> Mm. that I just can't believe how many people are calling it like this tour de force and stuff. I was like, I I found him so unimpressive in this movie. Genuinely not interesting. He was better in the Robocop remake. Yeah. He was. He yeah. was that was his better performance in 2014. Yeah. He was not interesting. Like, he didn't make this character interesting at any point. I was never really invested. And I think part of that is also because – of his obsession, his self-obsession. Like, I, I know what I, – I can sort of see what they were trying to do with it. Like, this is a real kind of actor thing. Yeah, actors are dicks. But- yeah, but, I mean, then you should make us feel empathy for him. But I didn't really ever feel empathy for him um, at any point. Yeah. No, no, there was no point. I, I was more like, why would you do this to everybody around you than like – It was such and, a- and I try – I mean, he's mentally ill and I was trying to kind of access it from that point of view, like mm. that it would be really hard to have the voices all the time and driving you crazy and everything. Right. But then everything he reacts to is such a stupid thing that you're like, well, can't we just at least have him react to something that's genuinely unfair? Hmm. And and when the the film critic who was just this like monster of a woman for no reason, <laughs> yeah, I was about to get into that actually. This is well, who's so, that actress by the way? Oh, hang on, I'll get I'll look it up. Um, it's so arrogant about acting and f- um filmmaking and all that kind of stuff. Let me just look super this arrogant Let, and me, super arrogant about uh, about. I'm, I'm gonna go on a rant in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just look this woman's name up. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree. But I, I think um, I, I'm hoping I'm taking this in a diff- different direction from where you're about to go. But I just thought it was really unfair to superhero movies. <laughs> oh, no, I was about to go there too. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'll try and go in a different direct- direction then. It's really unfair to actors who play, play like, who aren't on Broadway. Two of whom were in this movie. 
who who made their career like well maybe not Ed Norton he didn't make his career out of playing a superhero but he has played a superhero and took it very seriously when he did but Michael Keaton oh, like owes his career to Batman Emma Stone was just in Spider Man yeah she again another one who's and 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 who did a really good job as well like Emma Stone did a really good job in Spider Man despite some of her horrible material and yeah. and Michael Keaton did a really good job in Batman by the way I'm pretty sure everyone Emma's- having hated the idea of him. Sorry, Emma Stone, I'm pretty sure, is like 80% eyes. Yes, yeah, so true. Um, God, her eyes were big in this movie. Um, but anyway, yeah, it is, it's so unfair to everybody. It's just mean-spirited, I thought. Like, it's so snobby and obnoxious. And like, But I, I don't know if the movie was actually trying to say that or whether it was trying to say these people are being snobby and obnoxious, but really, like, this stuff is quite good. Mm. I didn't really yeah, get where they not, were going with well, no, that. No, it's not clear because it made me feel bad about myself. I came out of it feeling like... I, uh, because I was a person who was interested in theatre and acting and didn't pursue it, I'm a bad person for having gone down the path of pursuing criticism. Mm. So, oh, yeah, I mean, the, the it savagery me, of critics is not exactly new. Though. No, but it ma- but so it made me feel bad, but it, it just, it's so arrogant. It acts like acting is a really special profession. And, like, the thing is, like, we're in a theatre where maybe – 20% of the people who are making this play go ahead are actually actors. So, I mean, maybe they're, it is an ironic reading. Maybe it is like, no, no, acting isn't that special because look at all these other people who support them in doing their acting, in making the show go on. The people who do the lights, the people who, the sta- the poor stage manager. At the end, she when she lets him know that it's his cue and he just, he just lays there and tells a story to his ex-wife, who, by the way, has walked out of the performance, which may be okay because she might have seen it already, but... So he's just laying there, ignoring the stage manager, and she's like, "The scene is starting." That made me really mad because I, I really liked his ex-wife. Yes, she was great, um, and I didn't, I didn't think about but, her walking out of the performance. Like, <laughs> if she's she yeah, she's so. going there to talk to her husband backstage, yeah, uh, her ex-husband backstage. I think that's a forgivable reason to not sit. Yeah, through oh, no, the whole it, thing. it's it's him missing his cue that made me mad. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "No, you don't do that." Um, but and he does it twice. Yeah, it's oh god, it just makes me um. I th- that's like my own personality. Actually, I'm so anxious that I am like five minutes early for any cue. My favorite scene in the whole movie was one of the times he missed it was when he got stuck outside and oh, it felt like it yes. was a sitcom or something. That was I one of the, that. Yeah, that was probably the highlight of the movie is when he gets stuck outside having a cigarette or whatever and he has to walk through Times Square on his tidy whities Yeah. That was a fant- that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, because like, and obviously, and the it, way he walks is so awkward and uncomfortable. That was the best performance in the movie, yeah. too. <laughs> well, and because it's the most real, yeah. Because you, yeah. you you know what that feels like, and I guess there's something in there about it being a metaphor for what it feels like to be an actor when you just let it all hang out on stage, and you you know Edward Norton lives on stage. Apparently, his character. Oh my God, don't start. Um, I but, I hated him so much that yeah. I I wonder. Um, I I did wonder while I was watching it if Edward Norton has a fantastic sense of humor about himself because as soon as um Naomi Watts like talks about the character because he he comes in as a replacement uh f- last minute fill in for another actor who was really bad and Michael Keaton knocked out with a light and um but he didn't that's Allegedly. the thing. He didn't. No. no, Michael Keaton thinks that he's telekinetic yeah, in this movie. Yeah, no, no. He didn't knock him out yeah, with yeah. a light. It was an accident. Michael Keaton just thinks yeah. he made it happen anyway. because he's crazy. Yeah. Um, but sorry, anyway, I shouldn't so come, say crazy. I'm sorry. Comes in. Uh, at, yeah, because he he has voices in his head. Um, because he comes in as a last minute replacement, but Naomi Watts knows him, and he's like, she's she, and she says, 
oh, whatever his name is, Michael, whatever. He's, he's just um, – he's actually just cleared his schedule. And they're like, did he get fired or did he quit? And she was like, with him, it was probably both. And I was like – and before he even showed up on stage, I was like, that's Edward Norton. Because that's what Edward Norton is like in real life. But that's the thing is that I don't think he has a sense that's of humour about himself I, yeah. based on this performance because the whole performance was about how great he is as an actor. So, like, I don't think it is actually about him having a, having a good sense of humour about himself so much as him going, yeah, I do walk out on things, but I'm a great actor. Like, hmm. you know, that – yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want me in your thing. Like, oh, my God. It is so I, – I just – they were so awful – the men were so awful. I just felt bad for everybody else in it. But, like, I mean, there were some things that I really, really liked. And, actually, I, I loved the um, the flow seamless shots thing, mm. um, even though when I, whenever I was bored I was sitting there trying to find the cuts. Um, I actually really liked that. I thought it was nice. Yeah, I, it only I didn't, didn't work in certain times when I think when the they did the um, changing from day to night thing too often um, by watching the lights go and stuff. I thought that was a bit – overdone um but a lot of the time i really liked the sweeping cameras and all that sort yeah of stuff. and I, I loved the you got a real sense of the theater and the claustrophobia and the tiny little corridors and the small dressing rooms and the small like dirty old space that you were in and the the sort of th- that sense you get when you work on a production of you're just all you're all thrown into really close proximity and that's why you sort of bond on and make make a play happen and i really liked that kind of that stuff with the camera as as well. I could just – it gave me a very good sense of where we were and who we were – who everybody was. You know what scenes I did really like, apart from the rape, um, was when they were on stage. I liked being on stage. There was a kind of a thrill of when the camera was on stage and watching the so audience. It ga- yeah, it gave you a real idea of what it feels like to do a play, right? Yeah. The anxiety of missing a cue. Sorry, I just remembered the, the shed real blood thing. Ugh. Why, 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 there's no, I I cannot imagine a critic going, it was a good thing that this actor shot his nose off on stage. That just blows my mind and it's only to give the movie like a happy ending where the bad guy is defeated Mm. because she's the bad guy for Uh. not wanting for being a snob but then he's a snob too because his whole reaction to her is actors are so brave. Yeah, again, and, and actors are so somebody brave. people who are so dismissive of superhero films as this cast is the the play cast should not be throwing stones at a critic who wants more realism out of her her actors and is asking more of these Hollywood people. Yeah, they're making a more extreme version of themselves, the bad guy, mm. which makes me wonder if it's like a satire on what these people are. And actually, Alejandro and Yurito just really like superhero movies. and that, But th- th- then that doesn't really – like uh, there were lots of times when I was thinking, is this supposed to be a really scathing sort of – image of what this is mm. of what like the hollywood acting and plays and stuff really are and that really we should just go and enjoy the movies that we like because these people are all horrible horrible human beings you know what i'd he like to, to be- read it that way <laughs> is he saying that michael keaton is now <laughs> terrible oh. because there's so many connections between real michael keaton and mm. riggan thompson his yeah. character in this movie you know like we know him as batman mm-hmm and, and we so, also know that, like, in the years since Batman, he hasn't done a lot. Well, he has. He's just sort of a character actor, which is kind yeah, of what he was before of, Batman. Yeah, he, he's come – I think he did – like, I think he was 
there were, he had some stuff in the 90s, but he was also- Multiplicity. Yeah, but then afterwards <laughs> he sort of quietened off into character acting. And he's done fine for himself. Like, I don't think he's- I mean, he, it's obviously a more amped up version of himself. Like, I don't think Michael Keaton needs to go on Broadway, but then, then it does- He had weird teeth in this movie. It does also have that kind of- constant insecurity of the actor of always having to prove yourself like he and Naomi Watts are both I mean the characters they're playing are both actors who are well established who have good careers who are you know no Naomi Watts isn't though no she is she's just trying to prove herself on Broadway she's I thought considered her whole thing was that she wasn't a famous actor and she wanted to be on Broadway no she was she was clearly I had a decent I I again went to the toilet in this because um (laughs) I I had an ice cream when I went to the movie and it and it melted all over my hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had to leave like 10, 15 minutes in. So I missed the part where she introduced um Ed Norton. Oh, but then yeah. my friend <laughs> was like, like bit. my friend was like, he said that they shared a, she said that they shared a vagina. And he was like, Are they twins? <laughs> and then he thought the whole thing was incesty for a while. <laughs> which was really funny. Um because uh, yeah, I I but I oh, missed see that I bit. took that as being like um I came a, back a, in being, just as being like in the world of an actress, which is so is such a male dominated Industry, like you, whenever you're on a job, there's so because of the way the, all the inherent biases in film and, and theatre, that you're often the only woman in the room, right? I thought that was one of her coping mechanisms for being the only woman in the room is to make like sexualized masculine jokes, the kind of jokes that men would make, and that's why I thought she made the vagina joke. Um, but you know, it's sort of established that she's a movie star as well, or at least a, a well-established movie actor as well, and this is her sort of. I don't know. She's doing Broadway so that she can get, so that she can feel like she's got credibility. Yeah. Um. Th- speaking of that, I actually thought it was interesting that they didn't explore the relationship be- between movies and Broadway the other way at all. Oh. Um. Because you get so many Broadway actors who are actually trying to make it in TV shows and movies and things, and, and you get it's it all a the real, time. That's a much more difficult path. Yeah, and it's really – it was a really – like, I was thinking a lot about all the actors who I love from Broadway who find it really difficult to get shows and get movies. I mean, Sutton Foster is this brilliant, brilliant Broadway star. I mean, she is f- a phenomenon, mm. right? Um, and she had a show called Bunheads, and it got cancelled, and she's got another show. Um, Laura Benanti, also brilliant. She was on um, – Megan Hilty. Go on, Megan Hilty on Smash. Like quite a few of the guys on Smash actually actually were. Um, but even back in the day, like Bernadette Peters uh, had a yeah, few never movies really in the day, through. but never really broke through. I mean, even uh, Idina Menzel has had a little, some small roles and starting to get noticed in Hollywood has never quite broken through. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm talking about like mostly singing ones because I don't, I'm not really into plays that don't have singing in them. I'm sorry, Broadway snobs, they just bore it me. It did used to be. Um, it, it did used to be a path though. Like back in the fifties, that's how Marlon Brando and all those method actors got into into Hollywood is that they started out on Broadway in plays. But I don't think. But nowadays, it's really really hard to do that because Broadway is dominated by musicals and even st- even really big musical stars have trouble breaking in under. Well, and- it's partly a thing I think where th- there is a very very different style of acting in movies as opposed to plays, mm. and these are all things that I think are interesting that the movie didn't explore at all, which I would have liked to have seen. You know, yeah. Instead like, of how going do they on adjust about how- from movie style acting where they have the takes over and over again and stuff, and you also because everything is up play close, acting. you can do a, you can do a lot 
more subtly with your face, whereas on a play, in a play you have to really like you have to tell the audience what you're feeling as much as anything yeah. through your whole body, which you don't have to do on film. I, that's but all fascinating. It but it, all it was was actors are so noble and talented and and oh my god, this play is so great. Yeah. That's what everybody was saying. Wow, everybody is so good in this play. This play is so great. You guys are so talented, which we wouldn't know from them unless they were telling us because we actually can't tell that from the no, scenes they we look, get on stage. They, they just no seem normal. Better or worse than any other play I've ever seen. Like yeah. any other professional acting troupe doing it. And, and in fact, compared to a lot of professional companies, they may be a little bit mannered and a little <laughs> bit like not quite as good as, you know, I, like I don't think they were very special at all. Maybe Ed Norton's character was pretty good. Um, I mean, I have a real, real issue with their um, the, the rooftop scenes. I, I find the rooftop scenes really kind of gross and really unpleasant and the way that Emma Stone's character is treated in them. Like she's she's very manic pixie dream girl. Like she's so fragile but also so strong. She's so pretty but she's so broken. Like that stuff really icked me out. Yeah. And, um, and then at the and end of the movie she has this so lovely goes, moment with yeah. him. And then right afterwards I was like, what are you doing to her? You know, like when he tries to jump out the window again and I'm like, what are you doing to her? And it also means that I, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I mean, I know that what they they were trying to do with the ending, which was like make us question whether or not any of it was real or whether mm. it was really all in his head. I, I get what they were trying to do with it, but I, I was just like, poor Emma Stone. Yeah, me <laughs> like, too. I because she gives it her all. She does a really good job in this role, like a really, really good job. And she does not get treated well. And she has to do the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She has to, like, make out with a dude 20 years older than her. When he and Michael Keaton were fighting with each other. <laughs> I really liked that scene because I was just like, yes, you can knock each other out and then we wouldn't have to deal with either of you anymore. Yeah, let's get a new cast in and let Naomi Watts be the star. Actually, I did really th- genuinely think it was funny when Michael Keaton did the um, – when Michael Keaton played Ed Norton in that scene and he does yes. the, my dad was abusive <laughs> and he used to beat us and he was like, I'm – you i got you <laughs> i liked that and th- sorry now, now just having said let naomi watts be the star i'm just i'm just saying uh, you can't you couldn't do this in reverse there would never be a female actor who's looking for a comeback on broadway who financed the play herself well she could have financed the play herself but it would ne- she would never ever be looked upon as kindly as michael keaton is yeah, michael yeah. keaton's like this you know this white guy finds his strength every movie this oscar season um he, he's like you know he's considered like he's plucky and he's working hard and he's you know really gonna earn this comeback but naomi watts is just like her her, her with her character it would be she, she would be considered pushy and like silly and oh look how you know look at this silly little project she's trying vanity project and vanity yeah, yeah it would and be and the validation the the movie really really focuses on women's validation by men a lot and she works the thing is she works her ass off to do this role and mm. In a way that I think Michael Keaton doesn't. Michael Keaton's character, like he, he will sit in his dressing room and miss cues, or he will. And I get that he has some mental health issues that are not helping him, but he, but he, he gets away with it because of his privilege. Yeah, he gets away with it, right? There's no way Naomi Watts' character would do it, and you can see that in the sort of relative scale of her t- really quite reasonable tantrum after she is. That's not a tantrum. Is raped, right? I don't. I, that's she's not, not raped, a tantrum. That's a reaction. Yeah. Her really like proportionate reaction to having almost been raped on stage. Yeah. Um, 
and I mean the violation of that scene. Yeah, God, it's awful. Oh my God. And then we, as the audience, have to immediately adjust to the scene going on mm. with her. It, it just made me really, really uncomfortable and unhappy. And then the the focus of the scene afterwards was not on what had happened to her, like it or it disproportionately wasn't like uh, it just. And then they, the girls making out for the male gaze as well. Like I mean, they're both in tiny nighties making yeah, out. Yeah, no, it was ridiculous. Are you looking something up on your yeah, phone? I'm trying to look up Alejandro and Yuritu because I feel like he directed another movie. But I might be wrong. I might be mixing him up with somebody. He's Amores Peros. Oh, Babel 21 Grams. Okay, so Amores Peros. So he's not uh, – actually, I don't think I like any of his movies, so that works out fine. I have uh, barely, I think, seen any of his movies. <laughs> I did hear that Amores Peros was good, but I've never actually bothered to watch it. Yeah, it's got Gael Garcia Bernal in it, which mm. is always good. But I don't. I just didn't – See, the thing is, I went to dinner after this movie was finished and I was like, what movie did we see t- again tonight? Like, I just didn't, it didn't really stick with me at all. It didn't, I didn't connect to it. And often, you know, we as critics tend to like movies that are about the industry. I didn't really get that from this. I really liked The Artist and a few of the other ones, but this one I was like, and you obviously connected with the backstage stuff that I didn't connect with as much, mm. um, but I just kind of was like, you're not exploring anything that I haven't seen be explored before. A- and apart from the cool shots and the magical realism stuff, like when he was blowing up cars and flying and everything, I, there was nothing in it that was particularly new or interesting like it just felt like another one of those movies where the technicality of it is overwhelming the actual storytelling. It's a re- it's a classic Oscar movie. You know, it's a movie. It's not a movie about movies, but it's a movie about acting and a movie about a play. So and it's, it's just quirky enough <laughs> to be quirky and unusual without being so quirky that it actually challenges anybody. No, it do- that's it. It challenges absolutely nobody who's already in the industry. And people who aren't in the industry will go along with it because it's exciting to get a bit of a glimpse of backstage and the industry itself. Well, also because the, I mean, the the, the little touches where he moves things with his mind are kind of neat. Mm. Um, like that, it is neat. It's 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 fun to watch, and it's fun to watch quite a bit of the time. I think when Michael Keaton's being humorous, when he's being funny in this movie, he's better. Yeah. I, I didn't feel the dramatic stuff as well, but when he was funny, I kind of liked him and Ma- I kind of got Keaton. what other people liked about him. Pre-Batman was a comic actor. Like, he was a stand-up comic and a comedic actor, and that is his skill set. Well, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, it remains to this day what he's best at. I think there's some interesting stuff about, like, how a, a mental illness might manifest, like, you know, voices and, and I things like that. I don't, actually. Like, I don't think it has – and I'm, I'm probably not the best person to say this – but I don't think it has anything interesting to say about mental illnesses. Mm. I really don't. I think it's more like his fame made him break down rather than having a mental illness made him break down. Yeah. Nobody ever talks about the mental illness part of it, you know? And and then there is that whole, like, implication of – or the rather the linking of mental illness and the fondness for superheroes, which is – which, again, comes back to what we were saying at the start about how it's really contemptuous of superhero movies. Unfairly. Unfairly, because we enjoy them and lots and lots of other people do. Box office tells me lots of people enjoy superhero think, movies. by the way. They're good fun. That some of the superhero movies that we've been seeing lately have much more interesting things to say about the human condition and about the society that we live in than this pretentious movie does in its whole runtime. Big time. 
Yeah. Like, this pretentious movie is all about how we don't appreciate real art anymore. And Captain America was all about the way that um, authority figures in our society are not representing us properly and violence against citizens What's and wrong? what it really yeah. means to be American. Like, and this the, the is police much state deeper. And how, how could that not be? Like, in, in 2014, in the year of Ferguson, in the year of the Brown, NYPD. Brown? behaving as they did. Captain America's looking more and more prescient. It's all about arms build up and what the government has in the way of arms and how you can't trust the authority figure. Like how is that that is far more important some, movie like, for our times. Race relations thrown in there. I mean it's yes. really Oh yeah, that fabulous scene in in the elevator where Samuel L. Jackson talks about his grandfather. That says a heck of a lot more than anything a lot more in Birdman. Yeah. I don't know. I th- actually didn't think Birdman was unfun in a lot of ways. I just thought it was it was snobby and it mm. looked down its nose at us a lot of the yep. time. And that was weird in the kind of movie that it was. And and the thing is I'm not – I still feel like I'm not totally sure whether it was intending to be snobby or whether it was saying these snobby people are wrong. Mm. Like, and maybe they were trying to get us to question it. And, and I maybe don't know. that's what they, they maybe were. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit for it, but Inuritu just seems like he's kind of a snobby director in the first place. Like, he's made all those kind of artsy movies. And are they critiquing the old white people who actually go to theatre, who actually pay all of your bills and actually keep theatre afloat, by the way? Or are they cr- critiquing the stupid old white people who are actually on the stage? Yeah, who who is this? Who is Who are the idiots here? Are the people who are trying to keep... It's all of them. We're all yeah. idiots. We're all terrible people. We all don't appreciate Is art like worth- this movie properly. And and, and it, there are some interesting questions to be asked about live theatre because I actually think live theatre has a place and is really interesting and there are certain things that you can do in live theatre that you can't do anywhere else in, and a certain intensity and relationship with the audience that a live theatre piece relies on that you don't have in a film. But this movie doesn't ask that. Okay. That. Follow me through on this because it might take me a minute to get there, but I think this movie would be really, really good if it weren't as conservative as it is. I think what it's trying to do could be really incendiary and, and light a fire up under uh, under Hollywood's ass, but it's it's actually quite conservative and that's why it's getting all of these Oscar nominations. And I'm wondering if they were actually hiding something that, is questioning everything that the Oscars are about inside a package that's Oscar bait, like the hard pill to swallow inside like a chunky piece of meat or something. Spoonful of sugar. Spoonful of sugar for the like for the Oscars huh. to come get. Or whether it's just that it is actually qu- what it says on the box. The, if it's the hard pill, I don't feel like they did enough to sell that. I don't think they yeah. hit that hard enough, yeah. right? So if they had hit that a bit harder, then I think we could all be laughing at the Oscars 15 years from now for loving Birdman so much. But I don't think it hits quite hard enough to do that. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where it go where it's going. Um, but I yeah, I can't, I can't help but agree with that because these these people are horrible. Like these old white men in Leeds, Ed Norton and and. To be fair, Michael Ed King. Norton's not old. He's just he's old kind compared of to, compared to the girl he's making out with. Yeah. But you know, he's about oh. the same age as Naomi Watts. And seriously, though, like they they We're are not that awful far people, off that Melissa. But they are kind of awful people. Like not, I don't think Naomi Watts is an awful person. Nor is the uh, other female. No, she's a- lovely. Andrea she Risbra. was easily my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> and the the, the um, um Emma Stone's mother as well, mm. who was so. But that's it's kind of it though, isn't it? It's like. The horrible things that these privileged white men do to the women around them, like 
the people in the in the film who are actually interesting people are the the young white woman who is the stage manager who are actually good people who have to deal with Merit their crap. Weaver. and Naomi Watts and Andrew Risborough, the poor woman in the at the selling tickets and like they're the and Emma Stone, they're the the victims of this male privilege that's leaking out everywhere. Yeah, and that's the thing is that that's what I think like that, and I thought that a couple of times with the movie in the movie was is that what they're trying to tell us? But then they had Andrea Riseborough, Riseborough act so crazy, mm. that, and I was like, then maybe they're not trying to do that. So I feel like that was kind of the pill that I'm thinking of. Like mm. you, all, you guys are uh, you snobby art critics are delusional. Yeah, I think you could take a feminist reading of it as well. The other person but who suffers is the critic, right? The New York Times critic who has to put up with their complete and utter privilege and bullshit. But then she, the, that's why I don't think the movie is actually pushing that enough because she gets like she has to turn her mind around about it. You mm. know, she has to she has to be beaten. Um and Andrea Risborough has to not be pregnant and Naomi Watts has to kind of just suck it up and deal with it. And Emma St- like that's what I mean. Like they they don't none of them get to, uh, and and the fact that they do that is just kind of in the lining of the movie. So like if it, if that was what they were trying to do to say, look at all these women who have actual problems, and you guys are sitting here whining about how you're not a superhero anymore or how nobody appreciates your art. Yeah. Well, the, the other person who has not to put up with their bullshit enough. is um the lawyer. What's his name? Um, Zach Galifianakis. Zach but then he's awful at the end anyway. The punch isn't hard enough for it to actually be saying that. It's too sugar-coated for the Oscar going uh, Oscar voting, know, voting people. Mm. And if if they were trying to do that, it's not hard enough. Anyway, that's all right. Well, let's wrap it up. That's just a thought that I had in the middle of that. I think that was a good thought. Um, shall we wrap up? Yeah. What are you giving it? I haven't actually thought about it yet. I was thinking about three stars, but I've gotten in trouble lately for giving things th- things three stars. So I'm going to go with two and a half stars. See, I'm grew you, Birdman. Gonna give it three because that's what I do when I don't hate something. I've read a couple of books lately that I've given three stars to on Goodreads that I didn't think were very good books, but I got through to the end of them and I learned something. So I kind of I'm giving it three partly because I love all the backstage stuff. That's probably like the feeling of being in theater. The fact that I came out and was like. I wonder if there's any auditions I can go on. Yeah, I did really like that score. Um, and the score know. was great. Yeah, so I, I think it had enough to get me through it for three stars. I'll just knock off it half is, a star for the rape thing. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, it just – it does not deserve – much like like Boyhood does not deserve the Oscar attention it's getting. Yeah, but what does? Nothing. Like, seriously, Selma? nothing. Yes, Selma. It's nominated. We haven't seen Selma yet because it doesn't come out in Australia until the 12th of February, but it looks amazing. We what saw the trailer. What happened the to day. Nightcrawler? What happened yeah. to it? How did it disappear in between the cracks? What did they not do right that, that wasn't getting it's, to Oscar You want to see a fabulous critique of – like um, film culture and LA and media and the relationship between all of that and fame and you watch Nightcrawler like yeah. that stuff was amazing. Yeah. Drop all of the rest of the Oscar Oscar bait pictures this year apart from Selma, which I've heard is good. And guys, go see Nightcrawler because it's better than all the rest of this crap that we've had to be watching lately. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read our show notes, you can find them on silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Birdman or of any of the other movies she watches, that is her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. We have Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com, where we will – 
probably just post pictures of Emma Stone because I don't really have anything else to talk to put up on, on Tumblr about this movie. Uh, we also have Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens and on Twitter, screen underscore queens. Thank you for listening. Bye. See you next time.